So should we do like an intro or should we just jump right into it? I mean, we could do a brief intro and just say like it is a very special day in the tank because we have an actual expert among us, a, a shark, a real herself. shark. Extremely exciting episode today because we have Lindsay Dockerty with us, who I met in a comedy writing class that we were in together just by chance. Um, Lindsay is an investment analyst at a leading consumer venture firm that has actually co-invested in several Shark Tank companies. We have lots and lots of questions. Um, But when I heard uh, about Lindsay's job, I was like, okay, my friend Sylvia and I have this crazy (laughs) Shark Tank podcast, (laughs) and we need to ask you all the questions because we don't know anything uh, and so we want to barrage you with questions and then talk about Shark Tank and see if it's anything like the real thing. So welcome, Lindsay. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. First question, Lindsay, like, do you watch Shark Tank? Are you a fan of Shark Tank? What are your thoughts on the show Shark Tank? Honestly, this was watching it this time for this episode was the first time I've ever watched an episode all the way through. Um, <laughs> oh. I have seen snippets. <laughs> I did not realize how much overlap there would be with my job. I did not really get that. So no, I'm not I'm not a huge Shark Tank fan, but maybe I will be now because I, I enjoyed this last episode. Does it kind of feel like work to you though? Like you were watching it and you were like, mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I probably watched it. I have a less fun time watching it because I'm like, those deal terms are crazy. Which is Ooh, spicy. I feel like not a fun <laughs> not a fun reaction to it. But I, I will say that this episode and Lindsay speaking as one of the two people <laughs> in this room who has watched a lot of Shark Tank, I felt like this episode was much more like buttoned up and about like the business and like making deals than a lot yes. of episodes that we've seen. Like so Sylvia and I watched an episode recently where it was like one of the products was like a a face shield that you put bird seed in so that birds can come up to your face like okay see that's kind of what i was expecting yeah well that's what it mostly is there's usually a little more spectacle it's like people are usually like bringing in dancers or throwing food Mm -hmm. everywhere or like lighting something (laughs) on fire like it's a little bit more of a, a talent show vibe uh this episode was a little businessy yeah it's like they knew we were talking to you totally and they also said no a lot uh yeah and and for very valid reasons most of the time (laughs) and i was like yeah totally fair i get that yeah so i feel like this in in a way was like makes us look more buttoned up because the show was much more buttoned up so that's great um (laughs) before we get into the show itself we wanted to just throw some ideas out or throw some questions out. So like we want to throw some bitches at you. We want to throw some ideas out. God, Sylvia, I, I have been in too many more. meetings today. My business idea, um, a tampon <laughs> that gets you high. <laughs> oh yeah. Sylvia and I have ideas. So we'll, I'm pitching we'll weed tampons up. and I won't stop. Yeah. Weed tampons exist though, right? No. CBD tampons do. Oh. Uh, mm. Sylvia, I feel like you told me about weed tampons. They're not weed tampons. They're like weed suppository. <laughs> I see. 
<laughs> Lindsay, I'm so sorry. Classic we met, mix up. We met five minutes ago virtually. <laughs> so while the delivery system is the same, mm. uh, the intention of the product is quite different. The added value of a tampon yeah. is, is absent. Okay, okay, okay. So while you're stewing about that, Lindsay, first question is like, what got you interested in venture capitalism? Is that a thing? <laughs> Did you like go to college being like, I want to be a VC? Um, no, I did not go to college knowing that I wanted to be in venture. I was an English and history major in school, but I kind of stayed around the startup world. I think what gets most people interested in venture is like you start because you're really excited about startups. I worked at a couple of startups in like summers in college and then um, kind of was like, oh, venture is a really good way to work with a lot of startups at one time. And so did one summer and worked in VC, but at a firm that mostly invested in like enterprise SaaS, like very um, <laughs> software for big companies. And so you're evaluating at like the very early stages, didn't have as much passion for it. <laughs> Shockingly. And then went back to the startup side for a little bit. And then kind of when it came to like my senior year, you know, as an English major, I did a lot of journalism on campus. I feel like venture is kind of like just being a journalist um, because my whole job is to just like try to meet the right people, ask a bunch of questions, create the right relationships so that I meet the right people. And it's just a cycle in that way. And so it's like being a journalist, but in the startup world. So it's pretty fun and that, a good way to like learn about everything in consumer. It's that is such a cool way of thinking about it. I've never really like considered how much of it is like just like investigative journalism when you're kind of asking all those questions in the room. I'm sure every shark would also like to consider themselves a, a journalist <laughs> of sure venture. <laughs> totally. Um, but I'm also sure that none of them meet that criteria like you do. Well, I'm also... I'm not a shark, right? Like I'm, I'm like a minnow, if you will. Yeah, mm. uh, because I'm, I'm like the lowest right level of a venture firm. I'm an analyst, so I, you know, obviously I have a first call with the founder that might look a little bit like a Shark Tank pitch type of thing. But then I'm also doing the kind of work in the background to like research the opportunity and do all the diligence of is this actually you know, a, a proposition that actually makes sense as a business model and all of those kinds of things. And that's where a lot of the like journalism comes into play too. Okay. Right. And do you find when you meet people, is your intuition or your gut sense about someone usually validated by the research you do afterwards? Like, do you usually like get kind of like a good vibe from Great someone? Question. They seem really like they know what their product is. You're like, this person seems intelligent and empathetic and whatever I'm looking for. And then that's validated. Or is it like sometimes someone gives a great pitch and then you look into it and you're like, ooh. Um, I think it's probably more on the form. Like it's probably more validated, but only because, well, I'm not doing research or like diligence on the person. So the person could come off great and I could be really rooting for the founder and totally believe in them. But then I look into the market that they're building in or the kind of like business model that they're working towards or any of those things. And it's just not, it might even be a successful business, but it's not like a venture level business. It's not going to like achieve the amount of scale that we need it to. And then it's kind of like, oh, maybe not. Um, so there are a lot of things that can kill it other than just, oh, this founder is mm -hmm. bad vibes. Right. So it's not even also about like the product at all times. It's like, oh, this like the sharks famously hate investing in um, 
beverage companies in like the beverage so category. <laughs> yeah, because it's as Alyssa and I have learned through Shark Tank, our our university um, totally. is that like it's a really heavy product. It's really hard to move. The space is really competitive. Like all of these other things that go into it. A hundred percent. Yeah, and sort of like related to that because you know you you watch the show and these guys like are making decisions and like as we learned like in a real devastating blow from our Rebecca Allen interview like they're not actually committing to anything in the room but they are (laughs) sort of like offering up a deal based on you know a very short amount of time with this Mm -hmm. with this entrepreneur and and without a lot of like research about the business like do you watch that and like laugh a little bit I no, I mean, I'm sure that there is some stuff going on behind the scenes, I'm sure. But especially at these early stages, which is very, very early, a lot of it is kind of just vibes. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that it is that unreasonable. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure that they, I don't know, see a deck or something beforehand and, you know, can ask questions for references. Yeah. They have like stuff that they're referencing usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure they have some materials, but at the very earliest stages, there's not a ton to go off of. So it's not wild. So you don't like watch the show and like laugh, like be like, ah, ha ha ha. This is nothing like the process. It's nothing like the process, but I do think it's, it does a good job of showing the rationale and that kind of thing. How often are there live scorpions involved? <laughs> Cause you would be yeah. surprised. <laughs> <laughs> because in Shark Tank, it's like, nine percent of the time yeah. and i imagine in the real vc world it's like 0.1 percent of the time <laughs> i've never i've never seen i've never seen a live scorpion now i'm upset about it um what is the craziest pitch you've ever asked the same yeah question. sorry I, I was like <laughs> no, this no, no. begs the question perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah what's the Ugh. craziest pitch you've ever sat in on Mm, it's a good question. I'm trying. I should have honestly been prepared for it. So most of my pitches are not live now. Most of them are Zoom. And they're also not, I try to make them not pitches. Like they're just conversations with founders. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is just like wacky ideas. (laughs) That that, And and I don't want to shit on someone's wacky idea because they've devoted their whole life to it. You know what I mean? Um, Which is always just kind of sad. (laughs) We get a lot of pitches. I think more often than not, they're not like crazy ideas. They're more just like, oh, another better for you beverage company. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, another actually better for you X in general is, is yeah. a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, so so pitches can be tough in that way. But the crazy ones I kind of have an affinity for because I'm like, at least you're doing something different. And that's, I don't know, there's more potential in it if you can convince people to like your crazy idea. You know what I mean? Totally. And that was a roundabout. That no, was a very no, cool no, that's answer. A, that no, was great. Very diplomatic and considerate answer. We have a phrase that we <laughs> use a lot for the like better than you food products, especially where we say, keep it to the farmer's market. Cause a lot of times it's like something that like, yeah. you could see it like a vendor, like a single vendor at a farmer's market in like upstate New York, but like not as a nationwide product. Yeah. It's like, why are you pitching your mango jalapeno jam on Shark Tank? Like <laughs> I would love to buy that at the Larchmont farmer's market, but like not sure if this is a product that Mark Cuban needs to be investing in. No, I mean, that's exactly the thing, right? And and food and bev is the, I think, the consumer category that is easiest to break into as a founder, because as mm-hmm. you're saying, like, you know, you make it up in your kitchen, right? right? And then there are lots of, 
you know, small scale industrial kitchens that you can start to scale and all of those kinds of things. And then you see people really love it. And that's really great. And so you start to scale bigger and bigger. And then maybe you have an ambition to take it big. But at the same time, unless you have some actual differentiator from either a brand perspective or a distribution perspective, actually distribution is a big one or a production, there's no reason that you're going to be, you have to say, I'm going to be the next, you know, Heinz, or if you're going to be like a sauce company, right? For, for, to make sense for Mark Cuban to invest. Right. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, feel free, by the way, to use the phrase, keep it to the farmer's market. I love it. We've coined it. (laughs) We've made tote bags with it. Um, We'll send you a t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, have you actually made tote bags? I want one. Yeah, Lisa made tote bags and they're, they're amazing. (laughs) I want one, and I will take it to the farmer's market. You yes. I will buy get one. one. <laughs> I will get your address, and I will send you one. I am so excited. Do you often or ever get sample products or, like, trials of a product? Mm. Yes. And? All the time. It's one of the <laughs> – it's one of the perks of the job. I bet. Uh, I will say – my firm is founder friendly and supportive. So we always try to buy from the founders because we have money and oftentimes they do not. But we, if we're even like remotely considering investing in something, we have to try it. Yeah. Has anything like really taken you by surprise, like in a good way or in a bad way? I started startup snack of the week at my firm, which is very fun. I love that. Uh, And so we have some standouts, Uh, 12 tides, kelp chips are amazing uh they're so good they are popped kelp and they are just delicious kelp is like the thing of the future totally agree i ate a kelp burger today oh my god Ooh. yeah 12 tides kelp chips this is a plug i'm not sponsored they're just great in fact (laughs) i tried to talk to the founder i reached out to the founder i had a call with him and he was like uh yeah we actually want to grow in a sustainable way and not in the toxic way that venture funding would allow (laughs) us to and I was like right totally kill myself I feel like I remember you and I talking about and I think Sylvie and I can relate very strongly to this sometimes the job feels very performative and there's like a lot of like bullshit and like as Mm -hmm. people who work in advertising no one can relate more than Sylvie and myself. Um, but I'm just no curious, one. like what you what you've come up against in terms of like the smoke and mirrors and how you're able to like cut through that in what you do. Yeah, there's so much of that in venture, especially because so much of the job is networking mm-hmm. in a very serious way. Because you know, my whole job is that I want anyone who's either an investor or in the consumer world or just in my network, as soon as they come across a cool consumer company, I want them to be like, oh, you should talk to Lindsay. Mm -hmm. So that is just, I mean, I'm going to events and conferences and, you know, coffee meetups and all those kinds of things constantly or happy hours as constantly as part of my job Um, so I think part of the bullshit in the industry is definitely just on the day-to-day interactions with people Um, and it's all very transactional but pretending to not be transactional type of vibe which I mean I don't know I haven't quite figured out how to cut through all of it I obviously still have to do some of it but I at least just try to stick to like nurturing the relationships that I like actually like the people yeah, and then not doing as much for the 
just purely transactional relationships. That makes sense. But that's not... That sounds like, like, trying to be a human today in this capitalist environment. Yeah. That's also... It's so funny that Shark Tank is kind of, like... It's, like, the industry that comes to mind besides finance and VC and investing is Hollywood, where it's, like, everything Mm -hmm. is really transactional, but you're pretending that it's not, and you're, like, networking, but you're acting like it's, like, going to drinks with someone or having a genuine conversation, but then you're like, oh, are they an agent? Like, are they a manager? What could they do for me? What do they want from me? Um, and it's mm-hmm. it's funny that Shark Tank is like a combination of those <laughs> industries. <laughs> like a beautiful marriage of the two. Yeah, match made in hell. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. I feel like Shark Tank's also made venture – I don't know if it's made it cool, but it's definitely made people know about it more. I am. Like, I was going to ask, like, what people in venture think about Shark Tank, if they're, like, happy Mm. for the, like, sort of adjacent free press or if they're, like, this is such silliness. I think people generally think it's kind of silly. Um, And I'm also not sure that it does a great – I mean, I guess all press is good press, but it doesn't portray us in the best way. Um, What is silly about a watch that you wear on your wrist (laughs) filled with sunblock, Lindsay? There's nothing silly about the products. This is the thing. There's nothing silly about the products, especially if a founder is devoting all of their time and energy to it. But – all of the stuff that Mark Cuban is doing, mm-hmm. there's a lot of silliness there. Mark Cuban? So performative silliness? What? <laughs> I know. I do like him. Yes. You've got a mega fan in that. Oh, his, uh, another startup snack of the week, he invested in Snacklins. Have you guys? Oh, yes. Those are really good. Okay. Yeah. Do you try a lot of? Sometimes. Okay. Most recently, Sylvie sent me some slimy <laughs> honey, which is a slime that a... <laughs> young entrepreneur named Mark was selling that is like different slimes with like little crunchies that you sort of crunch up. It's like a stress relief thing. It's great. They all have different flavors and it was started by this like 16 year old TikToker in his garage of obsessed with him. And yeah, they're not edible, but I wish they were. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I wish every day that they were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds actually dope. Um, but yes. Should we invest? Yes. Yes. You should yes. at least be a customer if not an investor, Lindsay. Okay, I'll look it you up. You can take that advice to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> We're here anytime. But yeah, no, snacklins are so good. I haven't had them. What are they? Are they like vegan cracklins? That is the know. idea behind them, but they honestly just taste like chips and yeah. they're so good. Ooh. They kind of remind me of shrimp chips if either of you have had those. Mm, I, have I love a shrimp chip. I love shrimp chips. I just tore through a bag of shrimp chips uh, a day ago. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> Sylv, do you have any, like, specific questions or should we, like, just keep throwing them out to Lindsay as we dive in? I feel like they will definitely come up as we (laughs) discuss the products. Maybe we get into it. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to actually get into season 14, episode 16 of Shark Tank with Lindsay. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Don't worry, we have plenty of listeners, Lindsay. Dozens. <laughs> Literal dozens. This is my podcast debut. Oh, my God. I don't care how many listeners wow. you have. I'm just happy to be here. Oh, my God. I feel so honored. And how excited are <laughs> you did. that the first thing you get to talk about on your first podcast <laughs> is Pluey? <laughs> also, like, yeah. just a caveat, the proportion of Shark Tank products that are about baby shit and, like, excrement and 
disgusting baby things is too damn high. Too damn high. So in a way, this is a proper introduction to Shark Tank, but also I apologize. But I am so sick of seeing products that are about like itty bitty boogers and like baby little blow ups. Yeah, baby blowouts. Like, ew, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to hear it. Even if you're using little dolls. So yeah, so <laughs> Pluey is our first product. Sylvia, you want to walk us through briefly uh, through uh, Pluey? Yeah. Okay. So uh, Pluey is basically a diaper changing stand that can close and then uses UV light to sanitize like 99.9% of germs or bacteria. Uh, You close it for a minute and the UV light sanitizes it and then it's good to go. And it was kind of born out of these two women both had experiences trying to change baby diapers and having to put your bag on like a dirty floor or not having a hook for it um, or not knowing if the diaper changing station is is clean. And so it was really born out of that. And, you know, the problem that the sharks immediately bring up is that this is a B2B product where like they are reliant on mm-hmm. like retail businesses paying like $2,700 for this like up-leveled baby changing station. And regardless of how many people actually want to use it, it's really up to the retailer to decide, like, do I want to blow this kind of money on something that doesn't actually, like, garner more customers? And, Lindsay, when you were talking about, like, researching markets, this felt like something that would also, like, be potentially, like, a red flag that you would come up with. Oh, 100%. This is a B2B play right off the bat. What a crazy thing for Shark Tank to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused. But the thing is that there could be a pitch for this if they – Okay, when they listed all their partnerships that they were piloting with, they kept saying like Equinox and mm-hmm. all these luxury. Totally. If they say, you know, the Equinoxes of the world are trying to be more inclusive to like moms and that you can show all the stats about all of the breastfeeding room companies and they're trying to showcase, you know, their feminism basically and they're trying to be welcoming spaces for all and they're trying to signal that to people and so therefore there's this market but they're not saying that at all they're only saying it for consumers and it completely missed the point it is funny because we talk about like you know the shark tank bump is like a very known thing a lot of times like product like people go on and it almost feels like they're not even that interested in finding a partner it's just like free advertising for them yeah but this seems like a rare instance where like they're not gonna get anything out of this totally what business is going to look at this and say, oh, I need this there. They have to position it as something that, you know, is going to be good for business overall. Right. I feel like there would have to be like a huge concern about this. Like X amount of babies (laughs) die every year from dirty, you (laughs) know, (laughs) baby changing stations. (laughs) I don't know. Like something to create some sort of like public health need for it where people were like, we demand that this is a standard that we – hold businesses to having but there's not that so it's kind of like unfortunately who cares and actually i would go a little further with this of like (laughs) if they're actually trying to take a huge stand against the way that diaper changing happens okay then don't do the exact same setup in an only women's bathroom yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like put it in public make it cool like so true yeah if there was a baby changing station in an airport that allowed the airport to signal it's a cool, woke place for, you know, new age parents. Cool. Awesome. 
but allow them to celebrate that in, in public and don't let it just be in the women's bathroom. It seems like a weird merging of worlds because in some ways yeah. it could just be for companies that, you know, put out tampons in the bathrooms, which is not going to be airports this, or, yeah. you know. I totally agree. And it made me – what you just said made me realize that, like, I found something a little, like, not authentic about at least one of the entrepreneurs because – When I'm working at like a pitch for work, because I work in advertising, even if it's a product that I think is silly or like a brand I don't really like, I always try to find the one thing about it that I do like and that I do think is cool. So when I'm pitching it, I like can authentically speak to that and get excited about it. And this one woman, she used to be a chef. She trained with Thomas Keller. She was at Michelin star restaurants. And then she becomes a mom and she goes, quote, I became incredibly interested in the public diaper changing <laughs> experience. Like, put that on my grave. Yeah, it's like, I laughed at that you, you're obviously like a very interesting woman. You obviously <laughs> have, so I, I feel like chefs are very artistic, right? They're very like creative and expansive. And if you work at a Michelin star restaurant, like, you have taste. And then you're trying to tell me that like you have a passion for public diaper changing. I don't know. Yeah, that story is tough to swallow. It's like, okay. <laughs> Addie and Brittany, our entrepreneurs, mention that they have done different rounds of funding. They raised 650K in 2019. Then they raised another million in 2021. She said that that was at an $8 million valuation on a convertible note. And Lindsay, what is a convertible note? <laughs> what the fuck is a convertible note, Lindsay? <laughs> okay, convertible note. <laughs> is basically where oh god okay it converts into equity when they do a price round so like oh. at a normal if you're just investing normally you have a price round which is you know i'm gonna invest you know a million dollars i get 10 percent of your company whatever that is just straight up that is true right now mm-hmm. that's the terms that we're signing off on a convertible note is like i'm gonna give you this now and when you go out to raise your next round, whether that's at this stage, like it's a pre-seed investment, so it may be a seed round or a series A or something like that, my shares will convert into ownership oh. at the valuation that I'm setting right now. So I get a good deal for being oh. for coming in really early, okay. but it's not an entirely separate transaction. It's literally just for kind of logistics of the raise mm-hmm. and, and different investors have different perspectives on it. Different founders have different perspectives on it. But really, it it just means that you're going to raise further down the line. I get a good deal on it. I, it. I get a deal at this valuation that I'm setting right now mm-hmm. so that when you do raise, you know, I have priority because I invested early right does that make sense sorry yeah. that was no 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 because that, 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 that makes sense then that was an eight million dollar valuation and now they're doing 500k at five percent so that's a 10 million so that they were like incentivizing the people that they did the round for in 2021 exactly okay wow <laughs> you never knew what a convertible note was until all <laughs> all these years we've got <laughs> we've just nodded our heads dumbly at the tv yeah. when we read the phrase convertible note uh, Honestly, relatable. Sylvie and I have worked for many companies. Our company contains multitudes, <laughs> and one of the many mergers that we were thrust into suddenly, uh, all the executives said the word EBITDA a lot. Oh uh, my god, EBITDA! <laughs> totally. 
it's like stuck in our heads now. And every time they bring it up on Shark Tank, it's like, take a drink. Yeah, the other week I was like, Gwyneth Paltrow just said EBITDA, like emergency. Gwyneth is saying EBITDA. I am Gwyneth. <laughs> was she on Shark Tank? Oh, yeah. She, she was. was she was a guest shark. Wow. And she knew there was an EBITDA. Mm hmm. That's beautiful. And much like how I am a guest shark on this episode. You <laughs> sure are. Exactly. Gwyneth and I, one in the same. It's one of the many things that you and Gwyneth Paltrow have in common. Uh, the only other thing I have to say about Pluey is when they were naming some of the vendors that they're already working with. She said, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, CVS, Equinox, Legoland, Peppa Pig theme park. Is that one park? Oh, God. Is Legoland, Peppa Pig theme park a single Oh my god, I'm supposed to go there for the documentary. I don't want to go if it's a Peppa, if it's park, all theme Peppa park. Pig. Peppa, it's just Peppa all going to be park. pigs running around with two eyes on one side of their face, Sylvie. It's going to freak the <laughs> fuck out of everybody. Ah! I do have a fear of pigs. I don't know if you've ever talked about Oof. that, but I'm you really are not going to do well at Legoland Peppa Pig theme park. But if you I'm have really a baby with you that shits itself, you're going to have a really sanitized experience (laughs) changing that baby's diaper. More like if I eat like a piece of cheese that has too much lactose in it and I need to use one of those changing tables for myself. Yeah, I will say the only thing, they didn't get a deal, which like makes total sense. It did make me a little sad though because it was like, oh, here's an example of a product that is objectively better than what exists, but we're never going to have it on a wide scale because like that's not how capitalism works. Right. Which is fine. Like, there are pluses and minuses to everything. But I was like, oh, I wonder how many other products like this are out there that are just so like, true. yeah, that's better. Uh, we're not going to do it, we though. We can't make more like, money, so right, no. There's not the market or the distro is too hard or, like, whatever. Uh, so depressing. What do you think? Should we take a break? I think we should take a little break. Just a brief break oh. so I can go All use right. my pluie. We should go take a break so Sylvie can, can change her diaper. <laughs> On my pluie. <laughs> This next product is interesting. I instantly thought of two people who would buy this in a heartbeat, and their names I, are let me guess. Carl and Kathleen <laughs> Craco. We have Ken, Monique, and Ryan asking for $350,000 for 5% of their company, Flated, uh, which are basically, there's two products, but their main product is this sort of like inflatable camper carrier that you put on the top of your car. And it's, again, it's inflatable, so you can blow it up, but it's really hard. So it's really, like, sturdy, secure, protects stuff. And the thought is, like, if you're going on a camping trip, instead of taking up room in your trunk or needing to buy, like, a sprinter van, you can just kind of pop this on the top of your car and put your extra gear there. There's one that's like, goes on top of the car that carries stuff. And then there's another thing that's, like, a topper for a pickup truck, right? And that's, like, what you sleep in? Like... Instead of like buying like a rigid topper for your pickup truck like bed, this thing inflates and serves as like a rigid top so that you can enclose your pickup truck bed and turn it into like a little tent. The topper costs $1,800, which I mean, that's, uh, yeah. that is an investment. <laughs> they say that like a, an actual topper thing that you would buy for a pickup truck costs about like double that. Um, the other really important thing that we learned is that Kevin O'Leary has a Ford F-150. I knew you were going to bring this up. I, I wrote down, wrote I wrote, down. Kevin has yep. a Ford F-150. Kevin O'Leary is such like a polarizing character. I'm so curious, like what is his reputation in like the VC world? 
I actually do not know. I've never heard anyone talk about him. I was wondering the same thing. People talk about Mark Cuban for sure, mm. but I've never heard anyone talk about Mr. Wonderful. Wow. Mm. Everyone is kind of like, this is cool, but you're not worth your valuation. Yeah, and Mark says calls this a touch-to-trust product. In other words, like you could watch a video – of like them taking this sort of backpack and inflating it into this like very useful pickup truck topper that you could sleep inside. But because it's a touch to trust, it's hard to get people to like spend the money without actually trying it. Is that a phrase, Lindsay, that you have come across? Touch to trust? Uh, not, not really, to be honest. <laughs> Neither have we. Um, <laughs> the Cubanism. Yeah, not really. I do get it though. I think... Um, I guess it falls into the same camp as they brought up, like, the inflatable um, paddle boards or even those collapsible kayaks. But there are ways to circumvent that. I don't know if that's a completely – you don't need to sell it, each one at one time. It felt, like, kind of bullshit because it's, like th- – Yeah. You could say, you could argue that about so many things. Yeah. The other thing the Sharks really picked up on is, like, Robert really goes in on this, that they're – all kind of halfway in halfway out like they still have day jobs they're not like they only put two hundred dollars into the company to make the llc we see the sharks being pretty hypocritical about this i think because it's like sometimes they're like you've put in three hundred thousand dollars of your own money and mortgaged your house and gotten a loan from your like mother-in-law to do this you're so dumb like this is the worst product like why did you do that now you have nothing alternately if it's a good product the same thing translates to like this is the american dream like you're the embodiment of striving Mm -hmm. and trying hard and doing whatever it takes so yeah it's also i mean on that point i mean the you do at the end of the day just have to have a good company for any of it to make sense. True. Uh, which is, which is, you know, hard, but also true. I think they, yeah, you just don't, you never want to set it up so that the only people positioned to succeed are people with resources right. to fund themselves through the process. And right. I think what, I mean, one good thing is that there are definitely been um, a lot of, a lot of organizations and venture studios and accelerators and all of these kinds of things that have popped up to support founders at the very, very earliest stages. Mm -hmm. But it's still obviously so scary to leave your full-time job um, and take that risk. It's just that there's also a lot of risk in just entrepreneurship in general. And so you kind of have to, if you're going to back a founder, you kind of have to know that a founder is okay to take risk to you know make this thing happen which is so unlikely to start with you know i hope togue from any tongues is listening (laughs) um and then this is kind of like this is so this was an unexpected ending for me the offer that happens damon jumps in not only does damon jump in and he i would say is usually out pretty early he jumps in as someone who has no like affinity with this product he's not like a known camper um and he makes a royalty deal which is also kind of rare for him he wants a royalty of eight percent of every unit sold until he recoups his 350k and then he wants five percent equity i mean eight percent of every unit sold that is massive and as a 
company, like you are constantly trying to drive down costs and prove your margins to obviously stay afloat, but also to like prove out to future funders and yeah. all of those things. And that's going to be a huge impediment if you're like, oh, eight percent, like one hundred and fifty dollars of every one of these fucking toppers, right? Is going directly <laughs> to him, and there's no way of driving it down until he gets three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's crazy. And then he's still getting what four percent, right? He's, he and he yeah, he wanted five percent equity, and I think they ended up going with that. But he still gets the five oh percent that they were asking for without royalty. It's a very sharky deal, and it seems like something like taking that much royalty could. I mean, what do I know? But it it feels like something that could maybe hurt the company mm-hmm. at this early in the stage. Definitely. So, all right. Uh, shall we take a quick break? Yeah. And then move on to Wolf. Lindsay, do you have pets? I do not. Do you? I have a dog who I treat as my substitute daughter to the extent that my mom says I have displaced maternal energy that <laughs> I probably need to explore in therapy. Yeah, me, baby. Oh. <laughs> it's- okay, so you are, so you are yeah. the target consumer for every elevated. Very product. much so. Yes, huge target for that. So I feel very confident in my opinions on every like pet related product that relies on the premise of like you care about animals more than people so our entrepreneur for woof his name is rc he's seeking a hundred thousand dollars for ten percent of his company um and it's basically the premise is uh like a service that you set an alarm every day that you are expected to be home with your beloved pet (laughs) And if for some reason you are not home when your alarm goes off and you're not able to say, hey, I'm here, I'm home, everything's okay, then this service will reach out to emergency contacts and say, hey, is so-and-so dead? Um, And if so, they will call for a wellness check to your home to make sure that your pets are taken care of. Um, And leave it to our entrepreneur, Arcee, by the way, who is, of course, a New Yorker who creates an entire product based on the assumption that at some point he will die spontaneously. (laughs) Which I felt so deeply in my core. Um, But basically that's the service. They don't, they're not sending representatives from the company Woof. They are just doing- Calling the police. They're literally just calling the police if they can't get in touch with you (laughs) or your two emergency contacts. I also feel like I have ADHD that I no longer take medication for and- if you think I can remember to set, respond to, and engage with an alarm on my phone, and if I don't do that, it calls the police in a pretty short every succession night, of the events. Every night, police come home to Sophie's Oh house. my god, they're making wellness checks every day. Like I cannot tell you how many times I forget my phone. I forgot my phone in a shopping cart at Target this weekend. Like I, <laughs> it's just not working for me. Like I'm an insane pet parent. Well, too, I really but like. I, I can't. I really liked when they were like, when he was like, yeah, we've had it in pilot for however long. We've had to make four calls. Four. Every time it's been fine, but they were glad that we called. Right. <laughs> yeah, at no right. point has this rescued anyone, to be clear. <laughs> this is it's batting great, zero. 
it's a great kind of um like dystopian short prompt is like you work at the call center of woof and you develop this like emotional (laughs) connection with someone who calls or they're a murderer or something like I think it's a great fictional product um but I don't know about practical usage can we also like salute the name woof because it's really (laughs) funny like it sounds like what if woof and it's like what if something happens to your pet woof my First reaction was, there's no way he owns that name. <laughs> you and Damon. <laughs> you and Damon. Yeah. I was so confused. And I was like, how are they even letting him on Shark Tank with a name that he clearly doesn't own? I was really perplexed by that situation. It's isn't um, it? It's like the real company's called like Woof Help LLC, which is like yeah. not as fun. Woof Help. He will get a cease and desist. That's crazy. Woof help. <laughs> So, okay, so because I was like, Damon, that's a little dramatic to like go out because the name, he doesn't have the name locked down. But you're saying that that's a very legitimate reason to go out. Well, it's just like this noob, you know, he, what are you talking about? <laughs> you, noob. you just named your company whatever you want your company to be. You can't just go on. We can't do that. Like, oh, my company's name is whatever. Facebook. <laughs> exactly. Like, what happens again when you like. I don't know, you go, you stay at the gym for an hour longer than you said you were going to. Or, like, you run into a friend and you get caught up in a conversation for an hour. Like, I I don't know, you put your phone on silent and you forget to turn it on. It's just, like, the steps are so, it goes so quickly from zero to 100. And the police are performing forced entry into your house. Yeah. I did learn that the police can perform at-home wellness checks for your pets at no cost. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, in a way, like that's that to me is like this. Don't want you to know this. Yeah, that. (laughs) (laughs) There's a list of a lot of things that the cops don't want you to know. This is at the very bottom. Mm -hmm. Yes, seriously. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's kind of out, and he doesn't get a deal, which I was not surprised by at all. (laughs) Lizzie, would this have been laughed out of the room? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I think so. The pet industry is big, but this isn't doing anything, really. Yeah. This should maybe be, I mean, like, WAG. You know WAG? The, the oh, pet oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're familiar this... with all of the pet products and services <laughs> because of our line of work. Because even if I'm in a car crash and I don't want the police dealing with my dog. Yeah. But but WAG could actually do a good job, which is like, oh, it'll it'll trigger to get your dog walker to your house. Right, right, right. They have the infrastructure pay. set up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, guys, I was on – Alyssa knows this, but Lindsay, there's no way you can know this. I was on a jury <laughs> for about 32 days in Six in years. December. It was so bad. It was so random. I was like – it was my first time getting called for jury duty. I go to the Stanley Moss Courthouse in L.A. For so long. I, I literally tried to get myself disqualified. They asked all these questions. They were like, does anyone here have strong feelings about cannabis? I was like, me, 420, blaze it every day. Like, please dismiss me. I'm a, I'm a drug addict. And they were like, you are the first person we are picking to be on the jury. So anyway, it was, it was an escapade the entire way through. But Alyssa, I don't know if I ever told you about this. I'm allowed to talk about it now that the case has been settled. But it was basically a dispute between, like, a landlord and a commercial uh, tenant. And mm-hmm. part of the lawsuit was that this tenant was like, there was a robbery at my business, and you got to it first, landlord, and you 
took my dog. Like, you kidnapped my dog. (gasps) And the landlord's argument was like, I didn't kidnap your dog. The cops were there because it was a robbery. And first of all, one of the dogs just escaped. Like, the one dog is, like, gone in downtown LA. And that was really sad. But he was like, the landlord was like, I took your dog because the police said that they would directly take it to the pound and like who knows what happens after that. So I gave it to an employee of mine to like take care of. Well, that doesn't bode well for dogs that go to animal welfare. Good God. I know, right? So anyway, just an aside, but... Wow. (laughs) And what is this Goober's name? He's just sending more and more dogs there every day. Arcy? Oh my God. It's no good. It's no good. Like I actually was like, actually I am sort of on the landlord's side. Like I wouldn't be like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, take this dog to the pound. Who gives a shit? Like. All right. Well, now I'm really glad that he didn't get a deal. And I've I've (laughs) changed my tune about Woof. Thanks to the two of you. (laughs) I really think just the oh, did name. Did you like it? I, I was like, I, 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 I would be lying if I said I don't think about it a lot. Yeah, now I'm, you're right. The, the whole, the, the taking the dog to welfare as opposed to like a human who works with or for Wolf coming right. and like doing like a, like an actual wellness check. I'm not going to download it. I promise. Do whatever you need to do to get you're that. Right. Yeah, no judgment. Thank you. Thank you. Um, apropos of nothing, let's take a quick break so I can pick up my phone for a second <laughs> well should we move to sweet kiwi Lindsay, you want to talk about sweet kiwi so excited to talk about sweet kiwi what were your first impressions um crowded market crowded market mm. i like that it's not plant-based i like you that... like that it's not plant-based okay yeah I think the pendulum has swung very hard or did swing very hard towards plant-based. If it's dairy, it's horrible for you. And mm-hmm. as we're seeing with recent TikTok trends highlighting cottage cheese, for example, as being super high protein, I'm not kidding, uh, and Greek yogurt as the heroes of this recent TikTok swing, dairy and all things are good for you if you you know consume them in the right way. And in moderation, and so I like I I like it. I think it's very fun. Yeah, I loved the founders; they were really cool. I do not like the name, but it's not one that would immediately disqualify it. I have to say, Lindsay, I'm also on the big dairy side of TikTok. That's like all over my for you page, and I was ju- I was literally just talking about this with Noah Martaller, who's a member of, of the Hemp's Nation. I've followed this Australian girl who's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, like, freeze this yogurt and put some berries in it and make a yogurt bark out of it. And I'm like, that sounds so good. Why am I lactose intolerant? This is so painful. Mm. Yeah, to be clear, I also don't eat dairy, but people are, you know? So Sweet Kiwi, like, if you haven't figured it out, is a whipped Greek yogurt product. Our entrepreneurs, Ihime and Michael, are seeking 250000 for 5%. They have... Oh, Ihime, like, made this recipe up in her kitchen and then, like, retroactively, like, learned how to market frozen yogurt and, like, happens to be, like, the number one frozen yogurt brand in Africa. Um, But now they're trying to bring Sweet Kiwi to retail. So they're selling it, like, a pint at a time, like, Halo Top style. 22 grams of protein per pint. And Sylvie, I wanted to know if that's a lot. Uh, For an entire pint... Not really. 
Um, mm. To give some context, an egg has about six grams of protein in it. Um, a can of tuna has like 42. Wow. Um, a chicken breast has a lot. I think regular yogurt has between like four to 11 grams, I want to say. So like eating a whole pint only gets you the same amount of protein as eating like a half a can of tuna. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's definitely more than other ice creams on the market. I'm looking at Halo Top right now. It's, yeah. It's 19. Yeah. Well, and Halo Top like purports itself to be like a protein, like a high protein product, which is like so fascinating in and of itself. And it's like, who's eating an entire pint of ice cream like as a protein source? And I also can't believe that she just started making this. Like she I came know. up with this technique and this recipe in her own kitchen, which is awesome. Is that like, Lindsay, do you encounter that a lot? Where someone is just like, oh, I just like made this for myself and people really glommed onto it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the kind of like best case scenario of the farmer's market effect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where you have something that then you realize there's consumer resonance. And I think what's in, interesting in this case is if you had started in 2011 with her, you'd be saying keep it to the farmer's market because mm-hmm. you'd, you know, she has this great recipe, it tastes very good, et cetera, et cetera. But she's proven the ability to scale a business in Nigeria. Honestly, the thing that makes it the most interesting is that supposedly they have a an agreement for a national rollout in Kroger's. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, the Kroger thing is big. Mm. Yeah, so that, that, that makes it interesting enough to look into at least. It's an interesting take on Better For You because I think a lot of the Better For You stuff is, in ice cream has been just like plant-based, no dairy. Yeah, or Halo Top, which is delicious but full of chemicals. Halo Top is like 85% chem- chemical. I was going to say, is Halo Top dairy? They have vegan ones, but they're primarily dairy. And Halo Top's gotten a lot of hate recently, I think probably mm. rightfully so, for being like so diet culture based Mm -hmm. and that doesn't really seem like sweet kiwi's vibe i feel like i can always tell on shark tank when it's like a food or a beverage product and it's just a good product that happens to be healthy and they highlight that like her being like oh and Mm -hmm. it has 22 grams of protein and you're like oh that's Mm -hmm. nice i feel like there's a subtle but important difference and it's easy to tell which products are made to be diet culture and which are just like oh slightly better for you options but we did it for this other reason most of the sharks are going out. Kevin comes in with a deal, and then they sort of are appealing to Mark, and Kevin gets really upset. He does. I was going to ask Lindsay, do you ever see founders or investors behaving like this? No. <laughs> okay, so it's I don't it's know whether to be ex- happy or upset about that. <laughs> Um, I thought Robert's like sort of appeal to them was interesting where he was like he sort of picked up the thread of Kevin's deal after Kevin went angry out Um, and Robert was like I want to use you two to learn more about this space that felt like a little icky I don't know I mean Robert (laughs) is nothing if not all over the place he pulls something like that out of his ass every other episode he's like I wasn't yes. going to do this, but my wife right. would love this product, Ugh, so I'm investing. Just... Or like, ew, I hate that. And and women control 70% of discretionary purchasing power in the U.S. Oh, and yet, shit. So consumer decisions are being made overwhelmingly by women. 
And so it makes a lot of fucking sense for consumer investors and founders to both be overwhelmingly women. <laughs> wow. I'm getting fired up. I'm, I know, yeah, me too. It's like, like even the fact, I, I'm so sorry, I don't know any of the shark's names. What is the woman's shark's name? I'm thrilled about this, Lori. Lori. Lori was like, as a woman, I support what you're doing. However, I'm out. And I'm like, fuck that. Like, Lori should not have to, you yeah. know, qualify every rejection to a female founder she... being like, I admire your strength and grit. <laughs> However. Yeah. Where it's like, you never see like the, you know, the camper van is probably yeah <laughs> marketing mostly to camper men right. i don't know and and they had no one is, the guy with the f-150 is not saying oh as someone with an f-150 i really respect and admire what you're building <laughs> just to close the loop on sweet kiwi okay. um the Hime and michael counter with like a 7.1 percent equity and then five percent advisory shares and then robert says uh after he gets over how butthurt he is about the fact that they didn't just like sob at his beautiful speech um he says to split the difference and they take it so so sweet kiwi does end up with a deal so so very very happy for them but this is the time in the show Lindsay, where sylvia and i (laughs) decide which product that we would be a customer in but Lindsay, i would actually pose the question to you of which of these four products if you had to invest (laughs) <laughs> Which of these four products you would invest in? I I think Flated. Wow. Wow. You know, you've seen the success with mm-hmm. with paddle boards and kayaks and all these kinds of things. Yeah. I think there's a lot of cultural momentum behind <laughs> road trips and getting off yep. line. Yep. Um and but no one's doing it in like a serious enough way that that's going to be their entire lifestyle. I think I think it's a very legit product. I it would it would be a hesitation for sure that they're not committed fully. Okay, um, okay. But I think if they said you know with this raise, I don't know. I I I mean, given what's left, I guess sweet kiwi because at least then mm. it's a product that I like i could see it being difficult to invest in something where you're like i would never use or consume this sylvie did i take yours you did i was gonna say i would crush a lactate and snort it like a line of cocaine and yeah um mm-hmm. try the sweet kiwi but okay. you know what guys i'm happy with pluey um <laughs> I could see myself one day fostering a very small dog who, like, a small old dog who needed to wear a diaper. Mm -hmm. And maybe I had to, like, change her diaper on a pluey. So I'm going to go with that. (laughs) I, guys, I just have to share this before we go. I thought until very recently that when men went to the bathroom, they had to pull (laughs) their pants all the way down to pee. Are you going to say that? So, like how recently? I want to say very recently, about, about two years ago. <laughs> oh was, no! As an adult, and you my never fiance, saw a movie. I show I guess not. Wow, I guess not. One where it was below the waist, 
Um, this was so much fun. Lindsay, we're probably going to make you do this again because it was yeah. really fun. Thank I'm you having so the best much. time. I'll come back anytime. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so thrilled. We have to get you a keep it to the farmer's market tote. Yes. I do want that. It's going to happen. You were so wonderful and insightful and empowering. And now I'm angry about women uh, <laughs> as I am most of the time. But I appreciate it. You were great. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was so fun. Of course. All right. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.